Welcome back to the show, everybody. My name, John Mendoza, host of the Mile High Madness podcast. Thank you all so much for coming back to listen once again so we can talk a little bit of sports, a little bit of esports. You can reach our podcast online. We are uploaded to uh, CastBox as well as iTunes, Spotify. Find us all over the internet as well as on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash johnchcrow. We'll be interacting with viewers throughout the show. And without further ado, this will be we, we made history last week bringing on our first ever guest for the Mile High Madness podcast. Now it's time to bring on our first ever eSports analyst guest, our first ever eSports episode. Uh, without further ado, I'd like to welcome a good friend of mine, one of my very best friends and our eSports insider, Mr. Dalton Stigmata Davidson. Dalton, you got us? Hey, John, thank you for having me on. Oh man, this I'm is. I'm here, yeah. Thank you for having me on today, John. You got it, Broski. This has been such a long time coming. How you doing today? I'm feeling great. It's uh, good to be home. Good to be uh, here talking about the uh, state of esports and some some physical sports too, maybe on the stream today. Sweet man, sweet. So as we do with all of our guests here on the Mile High Madness podcast, what I'd like to do is start out with uh, kind of the state of your team. So I'll let you take the floor. Uh, think of like your favorite sports teams. I know you're from Arizona, so you got the Cardinals, the D-backs, the Suns, any esports teams. I know you're a Dragons fan. We'll talk some Overwatch League in a little bit. But talk to me about the state of your teams right now. Are they in the playoffs? Are they you know struggling right now? And some of the things you think the team needs to work on. Well, uh, over in Arizona, we've got a little bit of a struggle with the Cardinals, D-backs, and Suns for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. They've uh, been in kind of a rut for a few years now. Um, Coyotes, notably doing pretty well in hockey. Uh, um, but uh, D-backs and Suns are kind of in the same boat of, I just wish Jerry Colangelo still owned them. Um, sure. the, the lack of ownership, and we'll get into this in esports a little bit when I start talking a little bit more business. But... Uh, uh, the state of these teams comes top down about uh, why they're struggling. Poor ownership, <clears throat> poor business decisions. D-backs aren't really paying anyone. They had uh, two World Series pitchers this year, two pitchers that were pitching in the World Series this uh, past season, and those pitchers had been let go by the Diamondbacks in the past after not paying them. Sun's kind of in the same boat. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are excited about Booker. I think he's all right. I think Kelly Uber is actually pretty interesting. Uh, okay, as a new player, I Very think nice. I think he shows a little bit of star talent. He's got he's got some moxie to him I, that I like a lot. Um, but <clears throat> I just still wonder: if these guys have a good season. Are they going to get paid? Are we going to try to develop something? I'm not so sure. Cardinals, however, look to be in a little bit better of a spot. Um, I like Kyler Murray. I think he's very talented. I think he was completely worth the, the number one overall pick. Um, I like Cliff Kingsbury. I think uh, for a first-year head coach, I think he did some improvements. I think um, we're in a spot where we have a, uh, a lot of room to grow still. But the team got better throughout the year, and that's what's reassuring to me. Um, sure. I, I'd like to see the team cut down on penalties a lot. That's the biggest thing. Um, 
But uh, besides that, I think it was a good good first season for him. Um, and I'm excited to see the team continue to get better. Uh, a lot of people have asked about David Johnson. I think it's probably time to let to try to move on for him. Um, you're not going to be able to get any trade value. I think you should probably just cut him and unload that contract, honestly. Fair enough. Um, uh, going back to the Coyotes, I have a question for you real quick. Have you heard anything? When I when I lived in Arizona, it seemed like it was a reoccurring theme every year that the Coyotes were going to pack up and leave to Canada. Have you heard anything about that, or are they staying put in the uh, desert state? It looks like that uh, rumor, there was some truth to that rumor for sure, um, but it looks like it's passed over for the time being. Um, Coyotes seem to be happy where they are. Sometimes all that is is just, you know, begging for a new stadium or something expecting more uh work from the city uh but the coyotes honestly have a pretty strong following here in phoenix um most people wouldn't expect it i mean it doesn't make sense but arizona is a really strong hockey state actually we have uh we export quite a few hockey players uh around the league to the college and pro level um ASU, I just learned recently, is now becoming a full Division One hockey team, which they were only a club team before. Oh wow, that's interesting. Um, so hockey, how about that? Yeah, hockey, hockey's definitely uh, got a strong following in Arizona, despite how strange it is. I guess just the amount of uh, people that are uh, immigrated to Arizona, you know. Sure. So. Um... Yeah, you talk a lot about the Cardinals, talk about the Suns and the D-backs. D-backs, I couldn't agree more. It seems like every time the team has something good going, they just kind of unload their talent and hope to bring up prospects to fill that. Um, so what I want to do is get into the eSports side of things before we circle back to sports. Um, okay. So today on the show, it's our first ever eSports edition. We brought in our eSports insider, Dalton, to, to chat about the state of eSports and whatnot. And some of the things that we'll be touching on are going to be the Overwatch League. We're both huge, diehard Overwatch League fans uh, and following the league ever since its inception. And even before then, we'll talk a little bit about League of Legends, some of the up-and-coming esports out there. I'm sure we'll have some Fortnite questions in chat as well. Um, But what I want to do is start out with uh, your Shanghai Dragons, one of the Overwatch League teams. What's the state of the Dragons, man? Both of our teams, my squad, being the Philadelphia Fusion, representing the shirt right here. We both made history in the 2018 season. Uh, one of our teams made it to the grand finals. The other team went 0-41. So can you tell me about the state of your Dragons and where you guys are at going into 2020? Uh, dragons are looking really strong. They had a great uh, finish to the 2019 season. Um, they were the uh, Stage 3 champions, which was a huge step. Um, that was amazing. That, it really felt like they had finally gone from zero to hero, you know? That run was actually incredible. I don't think, unless you were a fan of an opposing team, you couldn't not be a Dragons fan during their straight stage three streak to the finals, man. That was awesome. It was crazy. I mean, fans of other teams were uh, crying to see the Dragons, even to get their first win and then to go on and win stage three. It was just unreal to see the passion pouring out for that team and, it, it was the underdog story in the truest sense. It was just felt so great to see them have that accomplishment. Wonderful. <clears throat> um, coming into the 2020 season, they've made a couple of changes. Um, the one I'm really not a fan of is letting Gamsu go. Uh, I thought he was one of the best main tanks in the league, probably the most underrated main tank. Um, I thought he really pulled the team together. And letting him go, I'm not too happy about. Um, that said, they did bring in Void, who was an incredibly talented off-tank. Uh, um, they brought in stand one as well so it looks like their tank lineup's probably going to be stand one void okay um, 
So <clears throat> they're pretty strong on the support line. Obviously, everyone knows the Dragons for their DPS, um, whether it's DM or Ding. Uh, they're, they're looking strong coming into the uh, 2020 season still. Um, <clears throat> do you, and, do you uh, expect the team yeah, to think... make a push for the playoffs this year, or do you expect the team to kind of make it to like the play-in bracket? Is that what kind of team we're looking at here, or are the Dragons a threat to win it all? Uh, most people for are talking about the dragons as a top five team right now wow um top five six team um so i mean playoffs i think are an expectation i think okay. that's minimum um i think we should be expecting to make a run in the playoffs for sure um there's uh quite a few teams that people think might be better of course the shock look unstoppable um <laughs> nyxl has made some adjustments to their roster people mm -hmm. are excited to see what they do um, but the dragons look strong. Uh, if it, it's always going to depend on the meta though. There's a big patch in Overwatch coming up in January uh, that should be prepping us for the Overwatch League season. I believe it was confirmed that the new Overwatch League season will be played on the upcoming patch. So we expect uh, whatever that patch does, um, it's going to heavily affect who becomes the top team just be because of. Who's gonna have the DPS, the best DPS player slotted to play the best characters in the meta? Gotcha. Okay. Well, we, we talked a lot a bit there. We, we dove into a lot of um, Overwatch League stuff, talking about the teams and different players and whatnot. But what I want to do is take a step back because I know a lot of our listeners, some of them maybe from an older demographic, where growing up, video games were a luxury. Video games were you go down to the corner store and you play yourself some, you know, cabinet arcade games, and you know if you were lucky, you had an Atari in the home. I remember my first system was the Nintendo GameCube. Joe and I played the heck out of that thing. But a lot of people, especially from the older demographic, don't necessarily understand what esports is. I had a friend of mine who I work with on the air who thought esports was an actual company located on the East Coast that just kind of controlled Fortnite. <laughs> it, it sounds a little silly, but people don't understand that this is a legitimate industry now. So from a bird's eye view and, and kind of drilling down into it, what is esports? I've always felt that esports was kind of a misnomer, honestly. Just that initial comparison to sports. It definitely gives, I think it rubs a lot of people the wrong way, but I think it's hard to call it anything else, really. Um, I mean, competitive video gaming doesn't have that same, uh, it doesn't give you that same feeling of we're trying to compete with the same. Uh, potential viewership as real sports, which is, I mean, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but esports are people watching people play video games to be as crude as you want about it. Right. Um, but I mean, we're, we're talking about professional video game play for several different video games. Um, uh, we're not going to be talking about like Super Mario Brothers. Uh, we may talk about like Smash Bros to an extent. Um, but, I mean, we're talking about video games that are built to be played competitively and that are played <clears throat> among the best players. People watch them for many reasons. They watch them because they want to see how to play the game better themselves, for example, which is not often why you see people watch sports to an extent. I mean, 
40 year olds watching football are they really trying to brush up on how to be a better running back no <laughs> but they care, but they care about how to they care about their football teams right right um the, then the other esports i mean you're looking at really the same people the same reason people watch regular sports is it's fun they get invested into a team they're watching the competition they see the passion um the people are playing for more than just a video game they're they're playing for pride um obviously and we're going to get into this but they're playing for a lot of money too which you know <laughs> uh if you can't get behind money if you can't get behind the reason the money as a driving competitive factor um you're not watching sports either then right yeah i will go we'll get into it a little bit we're talking with dalton davidson goes by gamer tag stigmata here on the mile high bandits podcast the first ever esports edition we're talking some Overwatch League, some League of Legends, Fortnite, Super Smash Bros. Uh, anything that's on your mind, please feel free to drop it in chat. Also find us on Spotify and iTunes, the Mile High Madness podcast. Something you said there that was really interesting, and I'd, I'd like to bring it to attention to people who are listening. What would you say is considered a game that was meant to be competitive? Is there a casual and competitive subcategories? What necessarily makes a game competitive or makes a game fit to be a competitive esport? Well, I mean, it, it gets it becomes a bit of a complicated answer um, when you, you look at uh, the streaming revenue for things like uh, Amazing Games Done Quick is a the probably the most popular channel people watch for those retro nineteen uh, eighties video games um, where people are just trying to complete the game as fast as they can, or uh, you know things like making the best Pac Man run um, possible. Um, those those are games of that sort certainly um but when we're talking about video games that are built to be competitive we're talking about games that have um the depth of uh it could be a single player game or an or a team game uh but team game is certainly the most popular right now um we're, we're talking about team games that have the depth of teamwork to an extent we're talking about games that have the depth of uh, an incredibly high skill level for the game. And if you don't understand why some games could be harder to play than others, uh, I mean, try and pick up Super Smash Brothers Melee and compare it to, I don't know, the newer Smash games. Try and pick up, uh, you know, I mean, play the old Mario games. You can see how they, those could be kind of difficult. But, I mean, we're talking about, like, when you look at a game like League of Legends where... If you don't know what's going on, you seriously don't understand what's going on because right. it is an incredibly complicated game. Absolutely, a game like Overwatch, uh, which we'll be talking about a little bit, uh, certainly a more simple game to understand. I believe there's right. not all these items running around like in League of Legends that you have to get into to an extent. Um, it's basically to an extent one team versus another team, and that's where. Uh, Esports can really find, I believe, its value is uh, from the beginner watcher. What am I looking for? Oh, I'm looking for this team to beat that team. Okay, got it. Right. Um, uh, yeah, the difficulty level of various games is definitely one of the biggest things um, from an individual standpoint, but also from a team standpoint. Um, <clears throat> and also, uh, balance is something to be concerned about. Games okay. that haven't been developed sure. for a long time tend to be uh, very unbalanced. Um, okay. Uh, older fighting games can become like that. 
where they could be very unbalanced and uh, they don't make for good competitive environments. <clears throat> okay, so balancing a game sounds like a really tricky task. I mean, you're talking about changing the entire interface of whatever you're competing with is this game. It's not like in the NFL to bring it, you know, comparison to football. It's not like you just changed a pass interference rule. You're changing the entire landscape of the game. Yeah, comparing the pass interference rule is, is really perfect because, I mean, when you look at in NFL, when they're changing various simple rulings, I mean, that changes football to an extent. But it's more like <clears throat> if you changed... Uh, quarterbacks to only be able to throw 30 yards at a time i mean that that's like the kind of difference you're talking oh, yeah. about in these huge uh patches that come to change how an esport is played that's huge um, yeah. and it vastly affects the competitive scene and people almost have to sometimes relearn how to play the game in general Talk about dalton davidson goes by gamertag stigmata here on the mile high madness podcast so Let's say, because uh, anybody can walk up to the Arizona Cardinals facility and say, hey, I'd like a tryout. And they'll probably be escorted off by security. What right. We have thousands, millions of people who play video games every day. You and I are certainly two of those people. Talk to me about if I am a star video game player, I kick all my friends' butts on Overwatch. I'm consistently making GM top 500. I'm on League of Legends. I'm consistently at the top of the leaderboard. I'm kicking so much butt in Fortnite. What is what, what exactly is the threshold or what is the barrier for somebody who's just really good at video games to actually join a team and start a career as an esports athlete? Well, at this point, it's not very different from physical sports honestly um when you look at uh, and maybe soccer is more of a direct comparison than the nfl because the nfl there uh or most american sports there's a bit of a college requirement um but in uh soccer if you're a good player at some point someone's going to notice you um and that's kind of how it works in esports if if you are good enough for long enough at some point someone's going to notice you whether it's by your uh consistently high rankings maybe someone's going to start talking to you um a lot of these games there's uh some sort of, some, there's a chat where you can get to know the other players that are in your uh in your games but specifically we're talking about at these higher ranks you're going to start to get to know these uh more top level players at some point um th that's kind of unavoidable um but what they're looking for maybe at a top level is I want a guy who uh, can bring some value to my organization, whether that's through streaming, through uh, Twitter content, um, through YouTube videos. How am I going to bring some value to my brand with uh, this guy? Not just sometimes even someone who's very good at the game. Uh, it, it can be more complicated than that in some in that sense. Sure, absolutely. So it's not only that you know you're a talented player, you're a great esports athlete, you're consistently scoring well in these games, but also you know do you have a, a fan following? Do you have kind of a, do you have a Twitch stream? Do you have anything that brings value to our organization and can help set us apart from the many other you know video game companies and esports companies that are trying to make the big scene? Yeah, exactly. That's what a lot of these companies are looking for, uh, especially in League of Leg uh, League of Legends. Um, where they've gotten to a point where a lot of their even former pros are turning into more full-time streamers. Um, that's starting to happen a little bit in Overwatch, but I think we'll start to see that happen more in the future as the game gets older. Fair enough. 
So let's talk about the Benjamins, baby. Let's talk about the money, because it's all about money, and you, you even mentioned it in, in the intro. You know, that's a, one of the driving reasons to become an esports athlete. So let's talk about the money. So I've got my group of athletes and whatnot, but is there any money to be made in esports? Uh, uh, do we have sponsorships? Because you got to pay your players, you got to pay for their equipment, you've got to pay for travel to get them to tournaments. So talk to me about esports in terms of a business and all about the bottom dollar. Is there money to be made in esports compared to the NFL, the MLS, the NBA? Sports right now is rated at about a billion and a half dollar industry. Holy crap. Um, That's a lot of Benjamins. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, there's money to be made in this industry. And that's not counting video game sales, by the way. We're, we're just talking about esports people watching the game. Sure. When we're talking about football, we're talking about just the, the, the viewership and people attending games as uh, their revenue a lot of times. We're not talking about selling the concept of playing football to them. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a huge number that just gets driven up to exponential levels. I'm going to get into that a little bit in video game sales. But, I mean, the sports owners are also taking a interest into this. Michael Jordan, a lot of people know who he is. Uh, his middle name is Jeffrey, so a lot of people know him as Michael <laughs> Jeffrey Jordan. Okay. Um, uh, he's a part owner of Team Liquid now. Oh wow! Um, Mark Cuban, Bob Kraft are uh, well known for their uh, ventures into esports. Um, Bob Kraft spent twenty million dollars on Boston Uprising, um, so uh, of course people know him as the uh, New England Patriots owner. Mm -hmm. um, the Los Angeles Gladiators, purchased by the Cronkies family, um, who also own the the L.A. Rams, the Denver Nuggets, the Colorado Avalanche, oh, yeah. uh, English Premier League's Arsenal. Some people know who that is. Yeah. The New York Excelsior, also an Overwatch League, purchased by the Wilpons family, who own the Mets. The Fusions family was purchased by the Roberts family, who owns the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. Um, I mean, these video game teams are getting bought by sports people who know, uh, who know sports business and are starting to see that esports business from a dollar perspective and from a management perspective are not wholly different. <clears throat> um, where's this money come from? We're looking primarily from sponsorships and ads besides the simple viewership. Okay. Uh, but if you want to look at the viewership itself, um, for Overwatch League specifically, Twitch paid $90 million to Blizzard. Wow. to stream Overwatch League for its first two seasons. And they got an exclusive um, contract, right? Only Twitch is allowed to broadcast Overwatch League games. Is that correct? Actually, no. Um, because uh, Overwatch League was also broadcast on Disney XD, on ESPN. Okay. Um, and those were uh, alongside the Twitch streams as so well. So Twitch just paid, they um, paid $90 million just to get a piece of the broadcasting pie, knowing it was also going to be on Disney XD, the ESPN app, Etc. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So they're only getting a piece of that broadcasting and uh, commercial revenue. Um, ESPN and Disney XD. They're. I mean, well, it's the same company, right? Disney. Right. Own, Disney owns ESPN, but um, they're getting uh, a piece of that as well with their own commercials that they're getting money for at the same time. Um, and I mean, the, the money just gets kind of crazy when, when you start looking into it. Um, over a hundred million dollars for sponsorships for Overwatch League this year. Um, 
And uh, Blizzard is looking to expand beyond the Overwatch League, even into uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Um, uh, I mean, we've got a lot to go into here with the uh, the amount of money that's being poured into. Um, the global video game market, uh, video game sales market for 2018 was rated at $135 billion. Wow. that That is an insane amount of money. We're looking at crazy amounts of money, um, and that's just that's for video game sales that leads into these esports. And the esports themselves are, are obviously driven in part by the video game sales, but they just kind of feed each other, of course. Um, right. w- when you get back into looking at the sponsorship and ads, it, that's about sixty percent of the estimated revenue for these esports uh, organizations. Um, but we're looking at. Uh, um, 135 billion uh viewers for wow um or i don't don't even think the super bowl doesn't even get that many viewers i don't even know if the nfl gets that many for a season Um, the super bowl uh was america's top rated tv show or the top rated tv show worldwide okay um last year and it i did look it up it was about 98 million um, the League of Legends World Championships in November were over a hundred million. Whoa! So they've they've already blo- they've already blown past the NFL's biggest, brightest, shiniest event of the year. League of Legends has. Yeah, we've already we've already eclipsed the Super Bowl in terms of, or, or League of Legends has at least. Not all esports have gotten that popular yet, um, but it looks like it's only a matter of time, honestly. Right. Talking with Dalton Davidson, esports insider on the Mile High Madness podcast. So we're talking about it's a ton of money, it's a ton of viewers. But what I want to, what what I want to ask is, when did this all start? Because for a long time, I mean, you're looking at the '90s; it was all dominated by sports and video games. Really, PC gaming was just starting up. So when did we start to see a huge uptick in esports as an industry, as a career, as something that people can genuinely make a lot of money in? Esports is definitely something that's kind of come along slowly over time. Um, I, I, I mean, League of Legends were uh, Riot, I should say. They were kind of the first ones to really push esports as an industry itself. Um, League of Legends being uh, made in about 2008, I believe. Um, and, uh, of course, they didn't become immediately an esport right away. Um, but that terminology started to be created over time. And you, you had some other uh, games that were getting seen at a professional level, certainly, mm-hmm. um, uh, by skill level, if not by the compensation, which is a big difference and kind of the major difference between what I would call an eSport and what I would call a competitive video game, which, fortunately, it hurts my heart to say it, where it was like, Overwatch, certainly an eSport at the top level. Super Smash Bros, probably more of a competitive video game set. Sure, yeah. Um, when you're looking at uh, millions of dollars on the line for these players and guaranteed salaries for Overwatch League players and League of Legends players, and at Super Smash Bros, the highest rated um, uh, tournament winnings ever was about $80,000. Um which is a huge prize pool, obviously. Right. But it's also unguaranteed. Only goes to the winner. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking about 
like that's the biggest money anyone's ever made um at an event and i mean it'd be great but it's not consistent it's not organized most importantly and so i can't call it an esport oh smash bros is still mostly a grassroots scene sure yeah and those salaries, players guaranteed salaries, and you know even League of Legends player Vulcan, who is now part of C9, his contract was bought out for 1.5 million dollars. The organization paid 1.5 million dollars just to acquire one player from another team. That that's borderline. You know that you're talking NHL, MLS types of salaries when it comes to this competitive esport. Oh, we're getting into that area. Um, I mean, we're not approaching the three hundred million dollars of major league uh, um, uh, players, major league baseball players, um, but we are approaching those uh, low million dollars, um, uh, low million dollar numbers um, for the top level players, at least. Overwatch League hasn't been hitting those huge salaries yet. I believe the highest salary. Um, yearly is around, I, I want to say about fifty to sixty thousand for an Overwatch League player. Okay, which is solid, but honestly, still kind of not even as good as some of these players could do f- as streamers. Okay, which is the concerning part. Right, and you know, to to the league's credit, the the league is only entering its third year. A lot of people are saying it's a really critical year, but League of Legends has been around for they just celebrated their tenth anniversary this past season. League of Legends and, and League of Legends and Overwatch League are run very differently too. Um, we see thirteen different leagues for League of Legends, thirteen different professional leagues. There's only one Overwatch League, right? Um, and they're trying to pitch those leagues in two completely different ways. Whereas Overwatch League is trying to branch out into something that no league has ever really done, be it esports or physical sports, where we're talking about teams traveling two events or, or two a uh, play uh to have their home stadiums and to travel to other teams home stadiums just like in physical sports what we're talking worldwide not just from LA to New York but we're talking from New York to Hong to um Chengdu China we're talking about uh Seoul Korea London Paris wow these, um, these are some long Toronto. flights my man and and it's a bit of a concern, and it's why um, Overwatch League did not make any expansion teams this year like they did in the year before. But uh, and it's something that is definitely considered an experiment. And a lot of a lot of other esports right now are kind of watching to see is this going to work, or is right. it going to be the biggest flop and money hole in uh, video game history. I mean, I was jet lagged just going from New York to to Spain for my honeymoon. That that took me a day and a half, two days, just to recover, just to get my sleep schedule somewhat in check and to start eating properly at the right times. And I cannot imagine trying to play a skill intensive video game at the highest level possible while getting on and off of flights every single week. Yeah, um, Hencan makes a good point. Uh, CSGO did start, uh, did really begin the uh, esports industry, um, but the the viewership never, um, the viewership and the money never really started taking off until a little bit later during leagues um, uh, leagues lifespan, where we started seeing Riot just 
dominating the video game industry. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, back to the traveling point. I mean, we're not just talking about what I started hearing people talk about today on the Your Overwatch's YouTube. Um, we're not just talking about players here getting burnt out from travel. I mean, certainly that's going to be very difficult for them. But we got to talk about production crews as well. We got to talk oh, about yeah. casters, mm-hmm. analysts. How are they going to deal with this? We're talking about a different stream schedule. We're not talking about a consistent Monday to Friday, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. stream now. We're talking about something that's going to be based on whatever region we happen to be playing in that day. Right. Um, so, I mean, a lot of us are going to be Amazing. having to watch the uh, replays to start getting into it, to see what happened, because unless you're going to be willing to watch Overwatch League at 3 a.m., where it might be streaming, um, or 4 a.m. or so at, in, when it's going live in Paris, um, you know, us sitting here in the Western United States may not get to see it live all the time, is what I'm saying. So, um, and, and that may decrease viewership too online or on TV. And it seems that Overwatch League wants to continue their TV contracts as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that are like, is this really going to work? And that's why a lot of Riot and these other leagues are looking on seeing, uh, just watching this experiment, you know? Oh, yeah, I definitely understand. We're, uh, we're talking about Dalton Davidson, eSports insider, goes by gamertag Stigmata. Here on the Mile High Madness podcast, I'm your host, John Mendoza. You can reach out to us in the Twitch chat down below. You can also follow us on Twitter, my Twitter, at jmendozanfl. Dalton, your Twitter? Uh, Twitch.tv, or I'm sorry, Twitter, uh, at uh, Dalton underscore Stigmata. Perfect. We want to uh, give a couple of shout-outs to people in chat already who have been chatting for a little bit. Uh, Scones and Tomes says that the Soul Dynasty is going to win the finals this year. Calling it now. Every villain is Lemons responds and says, no way, it's our here. Hashtag wings out. And of course, Hincan coming up saying that Super Smash Brothers is an individual game. As for Overwatch and League are team games that require teamwork. Also want to give a shout out to Nathaniel Martin 937 Thank you so much for following the stream. So we've talked a lot about oh, the got- logistics of um, we got talked a lot about the logistics of uh, esports and what esports is, and I feel like we have a good grasp on it now. Uh, but let's talk about the fun stuff. Let's t- let's get into our bread and butter. We've already kind of jumped on the payload and started traveling to uh, to the end map here. But talk to me about the Overwatch League. I mean, we'll we'll do a, a season preview, I'm sure, on another episode. But you know. High, sky high level looking down who are some of the league's best players how did some of those players end up on the league um you know just give me a little bit of detail about some of the teams uh first i wanted to give a shout out to sanders just showed up in the chat uh talked to him a little bit on the overwatch league uh facebook page so shout out to you sanders thanks for coming to join the stream yeah thank you so much sanders um we uh as overwatch league um, as it's starting to progress, uh, earlier we were talking about a little bit like the NYXL, San Francisco Shock. These are looking like probably, uh, in a lot of people's opinions, those are the two best teams. Uh, it looks like the Shock look pretty dominant. Um, and I don't know how they fit all of these amazing players on their team, but they have what seems like two really amazing tank lines that could survive any meta. They have uh, four of maybe the top 10 or 15 DPS players in the league 
right now. Sinatra, of course, coming off of uh, his MVP season. Um, San Francisco Shock looks ridiculously strong, and it looks like it's going to be hard for any team to knock them off. NYXL, uh, Excelsior, they look incredibly strong as well. Um, of course, Mono being that fantastic tank from last year. They did let Mecco go, which is interesting. Uh, a, lot of, or, uh, a lot of people were thinking he was one of the best Divas in the league. Um, they did let him go, but a lot of people think that they may have um, gone with an upgrade. People are wondering if um, the Overwatch or with NYXL is going for a more aggressive style, whereas before they were more of a sit back and wait for Jonak to get the kills kind of team. Sure. Now it looks like they're trying to go for the just go for go for the kills and um, try and really dominate these lower tier teams who were last year actually kind of keeping up with them because when you play so slow you give the other team too much time to adjust and when you watch san francisco shock last year they didn't give anyone any time to adjust they were spawn camping people um for an entire rounds and nyxl it didn't feel like they had that that killer instinct that just wanted to demoralize teams which if you want to be a top tier team Demoralizing lower tier teams is honestly a good strategy. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's it's one of those mind games too, right? Like you, not only do you just you know demoralize the other team, but you also get inside their head. Uh, you, you look at uh, players in professional sports who kind of lose their cool, lose their temper. Video game players are the same, if not you know more easily tilted. And when you're tilted or you're upset, or you're playing emotionally, it really starts to affect your performance. And we saw that a lot on stage last year at the Overwatch League. Fusions uh, probably had the most famous outburst when he got upset after a uh, after a team loss. So it's really hard to maintain that level of coordination and you know partnership with your team when you're tilted or when the enemy team is just completely trolling you. Yeah, and you mentioned that Fusions incident, and I remember, and I remember it because it was so shocking because Fusions had been known for being, he he was emotional, he was um, expressive, and he would, you know, he he was always talking during the games. Sometimes people would say he talked too much, but it was never expected that he would just have that utter outrage like that and just you know slamming the desk and uh, really almost jolting people out of their out of their socks, you know. And when you can do that to someone who's even a calm player to an extent, who's someone who's got their head on, on good shoulders. And, and he was the shoulders. leader of that team. He was their shot caller. He was their rock. He was the guy who called the shots. Um, yeah, they, they, were, uh, they were demoralized for sure. They, they felt like they had no idea what to do. Um, we want to answer a question here in chat from Sanders. He says, I was wondering about your opinion on expansion teams, perhaps in places like St. Louis, Chicago, at least somewhere in the Midwest. Let's get your thoughts on it, Dalton, and then I've got a couple of my own. Um, my thoughts on expansions to St. Louis, Chicago, I think it's fine. Um, I honestly think that uh, if we're going for a worldwide league, I think there's too many American teams already. Yeah, um, I almost think that definitely. we need to be. I think we need more European teams to try and push this. I think uh, there's only one team in Korea, and I don't know, 60, 70% of the players in the <laughs> league are Korean. Yeah, exactly. So I really think we need a second team in Korea, or we're just going to have this. I mean, the Seoul Dynasty, uh, they don't look as good as they should have in this, uh, um, in this season where I really thought everyone, every good player was going to be moving to Korea. Right. 
yeah, when that, they can just play at home, right? That, that was the thing, right? When when they announced this whole global Overwatch thing, they they were talking about you know most Korean players are going to want to go to Korea. That's where they're from. That's where they consider home. And I mean, you can wake up in the morning, have mom's home cooking, and then go off to your scrims. Uh, but it really wasn't the case. We didn't see that all-star cast of Koreans follow Seoul Dynasty to Korea, which I thought was very interesting. We did you... see Profit go. Profit yeah. is thought to be by many one of the best DPS in the league. Uh, but we were expecting more than that for sure. Yeah, it was, we also expected like a mass exodus, and instead we got a couple people who just you know went there for for the opportunity. Uh, I, I'm in the Midwest as well. The Mile High Madness, of course, located in the Mile High State of Colorado. Um, it's tough for people to start expansion teams right now. Uh, per Forbes magazine in 2019, Overwatch League team startup franchise fee, the fee you have to pay Blizzard before you can even start looking at player salaries, coaches, you know, branding, coming up with a logo, team colors, merchandise, you have to pay Blizzard $50 million for a franchise fee. Now, I as, believe that's up to 60 now. As it is up to 60? Yeah, and as you mentioned... I read left. Okay, as you mentioned before, you know, Teams are, uh, what you call it, uh, with teams going on to the more global scale, Blizzard wasn't looking to add any expansion teams this year, but you have to be a, a company that has that kind of money to get started. And, you know, having been here in Colorado for three to four years, I've seen the esports community absolutely explode. We actually have an esports arena in Colorado Springs that hosts League of Legends, Teamfight Tactics, Overwatch, Fortnite tournaments with huge prize pools. It's just a company even that runs that arena, the company that runs the tournaments in town, can't come up with that kind of capital. You need an investor, like Dalton was saying. You need an investor like a Kronky, like a Kraft. You need people who have that capital to start up a team. And I think that's where you're going to find a lot of the challenges, particularly for some of the more smaller cities in the Midwest. Um, but I think it is only a matter of time before Chicago, Denver area start looking into it. But I also agree with Dalton's point. Uh, we really need to start growing this thing worldwide. It's embarrassing that 90% of the league is, is Korean and we only have one team in Korea. Yeah, um, and you were mentioning that uh, that stadium uh, or your esports arena that you guys have now in Colorado. Um, I mean, look at the money that the, the league is pouring out for stadiums too. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Philadelphia Fusion Stadium cost 50 million dollars eye on the prize 3500 represent eye on the prize indeed um i mean the amount of money uh to pour out for that overwatch league stadium i mean not to mention they paid 20 million dollars to start the team uh they're paying the team's salaries they're uh they're paying coaches salaries um not to mention the other overhead for just keeping a business afloat um i mean the money that uh, the Roberts family has put in to support this this experiment <laughs> um, is 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 unreal. Uh, so uh, that shows that these people who have been successful in business know this is not just an experiment. There is something to this that could be really special. Talk about Dalton Davidson, our esports insider here on the Mile High Madness podcast. You can find us on twitch.tv slash johnscrow. Feel free to interact with us at chat. We also have our podcast uploaded to Spotify and iTunes. Just search Mile High Madness. So and not everybody can be a League of Legends 
you know, the dominant esport. Not everybody can be a Dota or a CSGO. There's only, like you said, one Overwatch League. But are there any other esports that are on the up and coming? If you're looking, if you're a young investor, let's say, and you've got a little bit of pocket change and you're looking to invest in a particular esport or a particular game, what are some other games that are up and coming for fan bases as well as investment opportunities? I mentioned the Call of Duty uh, League, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Uh, Blizzard, Activision Blizzard is starting up a league for that. Um, so far, the league has five teams. Blizzard is asking for another $25 million per team for that. Um, so that's an option if you, you know, have a spare $25 million lying around and want to see how big Call of Duty gets. Um, <laughs> are, arguably, there are more players for that than Overwatch, um, I would imagine, especially right now with the new game having just come out. Sure. So um, that seems like a pretty good investment for the future. Um, the, the question is really, is it going to have the same production level that uh overwatch league has right now and if the league's run by blizzard you would probably expect so um fortnite's another one um fortnite was uh strange though um in that it, it made a ton of money um and it, it made a ton of money going into um with sales and whatnot the esports environment is kind of strange though with it being a um, uh, a single player or a duo player environment um, and it can be a little bit harder to follow on TV when you know you're trying to follow your, your favorite player um, and it can be a little strange but I mean that said Fortnite the Fortnite World Cup that happened uh, just a couple months ago I believe in October um, they had 100 solo players in their tournament and then a, a duo tournament with 50 duos um, and there was thirty million dollars in prizes on the line. Dang God! Everyone in the tournament, everyone in the tournament got a prize. Um, they had they had play-ins to get into the tournament uh, that were going on for a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, it was a uh, uh, crazy, um, crazy uh, uh, successful tournament. Um, a lot of people were raising their eyes at that one, but it was a. Uh, Fortnite seems strange for going forward as an esport in that a lot of people are not happy. Uh, we mentioned balance earlier before for competitive video games. A lot of people are not happy what uh, Epic Gaming is doing for balance in that environment. Talking about Dalton Davidson, our esports insider here. Hankan uh, reaches out to us in chat and says Fortnite equals whack and that Apex is greater than Fortnite. And I think I agree with both of those statements. Sanders also in chat asks, I heard the name Kronky. Is Stan Kronky involved with Overwatch League? Yes, the Kronky family uh, owns the LA Valiant as well as a couple NFL franchises and the Arsenal Premier League team over in England. So we got a, a few... That is the Stan Kronky. Yeah, the, the, the man himself, right? The man, the myth, the legend. Uh, we have a few minutes left here, so I want to get just a couple predictions before we do an actual uh, Overwatch League season, you know, 2020 season preview. Uh who are a couple teams that could look to rebound this year? Some teams that were really bad last year. Maybe they picked up a couple free agents. You know, maybe they benefit from this not needing to move, travel as much. They picked up a couple key players. Uh, who are some teams that can really turn it around this year and could really make some noise in terms of competing for stage playoffs and ultimately the playoffs? A lot of people are looking at the Florida Mayhem and the Washington Justice as teams that you know made a few moves. Florida Mayhem actually made a huge rebrand. They changed their main colors. Um, people are expecting those teams to really change it around. 
I don't see it with them. Um, I, I see a lot of the same problems they had before um, with Washington Justice. I mean, Corey seems like a, a good DPS player. I don't see much else on the rest of their roster. Sure. Um, Florida Mayhem. I mean, I mean, they got a decent DPS player. Sure. Uh, a couple of decent DPS players and Saya player, and I mean, the rest of them kind of seems like it, it might just be a a, a sinking season. Like Gargoyle as a main tank, as a off tank who has been basically a Roadhog player for sure. all we've seen him be successful with. Um, and Roadhog's not very meta right now, is that correct? Roadhog looks like he's probably going to struggle. Um, it doesn't look like he's going to see any play with Sigma in the meta right now. Um, on past that, um, when we're looking at the teams that I think are going to make a big step up. Philadelphia Fusion's a name that people are throwing around for sure. Eye on the prize, baby. Um, they did make two big upgrades to their support line uh, with Alarm and <clears throat> forgive me. Who's the Fun, funny the, Astro. Uh, made support they added. Funny Astro. Funny Astro is an excellent Lucio player um, that I was uh, trying trying to really practice or watch when I was trying to learn Lucio. He's definitely very skilled, has a lot of knowledge on the game and the character. Um, those two were very excellent when they were playing in Overwatch Contenders. People think they'll be very good in Overwatch League, and I don't doubt that. It's also going to be Philadelphia Fusion, as we mentioned with NYXL. Fusion's going to be going more to that aggressive style, um, which should benefit their main tank, Sato, who is known for being an overly aggressive main tank. Uh, oh, Lord. Season. Every time I hear that name, it's like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> People think... Uh, with the more aggressive support lineup, it should be a lot better for him. We expect him to be quite more successful. Wonderful. Something that we uh, talked about at the very beginning of the show, you talked about balancing the game, how you know you equated it to if a game gets changed or if somebody gets nerfed or they come up with a balance patch, it'd be like telling an NFL quarterback, hey, you can only throw the ball 30 yards down the field now. You can't just air it out. Max is 30 yards. When companies, you know, like Blizzard for Overwatch, Riot with League of Legends, you know, the guys who run Fort, uh, who, yeah, who run Fortnite, when you're looking at balancing a game, do they do it from, you know, top down? They balance it at the pro level and let that trickle down to the casuals like you and me, or do they do it in terms of, you know, we do it for our our players, our fan base, and the pros will kind of adjust accordingly. I mean, it's a mix of both, certainly. Um, it, it depends on the company, for sure. Um, Epic Gaming, uh, who we're talking about with Fortnite, um, the pros were upset about the introduction of um, aircrafts and whatnot that were uh, crazy uh, fun at the low level. Um, you know, that the 12-year-olds were very excited about that one, certainly. The pros... <laughs> We're not happy about that. It, it made the game feel too too random, too uh, too dynamic, um, not stable enough. Um, you look at Overwatch; uh, they did try the opposite approach a little bit, where they were like, "Wow, people are really complaining about this dive meta uh, with Genji and Tracer just going mm -hmm. on and killing mm -hmm. supports and changing and really making the game no fun for support players." So they introduced Brigida, who invalidated like four or five characters completely in the competitive in the competitive scene. She was that, way too strong. That they character her. really they broke her in the, the middle game. of the Overwatch League season. Oh yeah, 
the problem was they introduced her in the middle of the Overwatch League season. And I really hope they don't do that again this year because introducing a whole new character in the middle of the season, I think, just is so... It's just bad. Um, Like, I I get that you would... I get that you want to change the patches a little bit, make the game more interesting, change it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. But when you introduce a character that completely shuts down um very fun parts of overwatch to watch like dive good dive strategies were cool to watch um back in the first season and then brigida came in and slowly ushered in the goats meta which people complained about and then they made the 2-2-2 change where you had to have exactly two tanks two dps players and two supports because people were complaining about the three tank three support meta and the changes that they had made to try and get rid of that meta mm-hmm. by buffing certain DPS characters made the game kind of crazy in that now we have this May character who's completely overtuned. Uh, Hanzo, uh, an overtuned I'm a sniper. May main. It's me. Yeah, and then they, the May main. They, they drink from the same cup crazy of tea. Good right now. They drink from the same cup of tea when they introduce Sigma. In the middle of the season, heading towards the stage four play-ins, they introduced Sigma, which completely changed the whole landscape of the meta. Before the playoffs, Sigma came in and invalidated so many cool, fun-to-watch, you know, DPS characters. Um, invalidated a lot of dive strategies, which is what Baptiste did, who they also introduced mid-season. Um, and uh, Hincan mentions that he likes the two-two-two uh, change for a competitive game. Um, and I agree. I think it was a good change. I agree Overall, as well. Overall, I yeah. think it makes, I, I think it makes the game much easier to balance for Blizzard, and I think that's important. Um, when you don't have to worry about balancing every character for every conceivable, uh, team scenario, you really just have to worry about, uh, how they work with one other support, and with uh, different tank and DPS lineups. Absolutely. We got just a couple of minutes left here, so I want to get your predictions right now. It's January seventh. Give me your top five Overwatch League teams heading into the twenty twenty season, and give us a short description why. Top five owl teams. Um, number one has got to be the shock. Like I, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't love them. Um, yeah, but gosh, they're good. They're so strong. Um, I don't think the Titans are going to be. Uh, there this year um i think they made they made some changes i wasn't super happy about um i think nyxl is the number two team um i believe we'll be seeing a shock nyxl finals um the fall goes according to plan uh i think after that it gets a little bit muddled Mm -hmm. um i don't think soul is going to be the number three team i i Uh think we're going to see dragons in that number three spot oh baby here we go dragons are the third best team what a great story. Um, it would be crazy to see them uh, step out and uh, be that uh, number three seed and really make a push for the um, the finals. Then after that, a lot of people talk about the Atlanta Reign, the LA Gladiators, the mm-hmm. Philly Fusion. Um, my gut feeling... I, I believe in what the Fusion have done to bring in uh, a support lineup that's going to support their aggressive main tank. And I think aggressive is the best way to play in Overwatch. 
I think you go and you stifle teams, and I think that's the way you win. I think Fusion come in at four. I'll take it. Um, and then I'm I'm going to go in with the uh, the rain at five. Okay. I'll I'll just uh, throw in my five real quick here on you know January seventh. The league is still about a month out. I'll, I'll copy your top two exactly. I like the shock. I like the NYXL. Um, I'm going to put the rain at number three. And even though I don't think they're the third most talented roster, I think the fact that they have by far the most passionate fan base of any team. They won the uh, the Twitch cheer contest last year. Their team was, you know, blew out every other team, rallying around those hometown crowds. Uh, I think they come in at three. I'll, I'll keep my fusion it's at four. It's going to be huge when we go to homestands this year. Exactly. You're going to really feed off of that player energy. Uh, I'll put my fusion at four, and I'll put your dragons at five. So not too, right, not too big it. of a mix-up here. Five makes me happy. All right. Yeah, are... um, again, people are talking about LA Gladiators in that as well, or maybe the Titans, but we'll see. I, I, I'm with you. I, I expect the Titans to really drop off from the dominance that they had, uh, and I think they really got exposed in the Grand Finals, and I expect teams to keep on that trend of uh, exploiting their weaknesses. All right, it is... Sadly, just about that time, folks. Thank you, everybody, so much for tuning in to the Mile High Madness podcast live streamed here on twitch.tv slash johnchcrow. You can find us after the show at uh, Spotify and iTunes. Just search Mile High Madness. You can reach out to us on Twitter at NFL at Dalton underscore Stigmata. We look forward to hearing your feedback about the podcast and what you think are going to be the future of esports. Overwatch League predictions, League of Legends competitive series predictions. Uh, esports is definitely on the up and coming, and I do believe, as, as Dalton said earlier, it is the future of, you know, competitive scenes. We're going to see esports continue to grow, especially as more younger talent gets developed in these games and more games come out. Dalton, you got any closing thoughts on esports as a uh, competitive industry? Um, Rip Smash Bros. I wish you would have made it, but you didn't. Um, <laughs> Perfectly balanced, uh, as all things should be. <laughs> um, I'm very excited for the upcoming Overwatch League season and to uh, check out the uh, new League of Legends. Uh, um, this uh, their the uh, professional season when they begin. Um, esports is in a great place for 2020. It only looks like it's gonna continue to grow in viewership. So uh, invest while you can if you got any spare money lying around. Absolutely. We will be back with Dalton later this month. We're going to do an Overwatch League 2020 season preview. We're going to talk Overwatch League the entire time, do some previews, who we think is hot, who we think is overrated. We'll do some predictions where we think teams are going to finish, as well as MVP candidates. If you're in the stream, be sure to follow the channel. It really helps support us here. And of course, you can always find our podcast uploaded to iTunes, Spotify, and CastBox. This is John Mendoza, joined by Dalton Davidson. Good night, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us on the Mile High Madness podcast. May the madness always consume you.